Hi, everybody. Welcome to Iditarod Podcast, Tales from the Trail. I'm your host, Kristen, and we are with Ryan Olson today, three-time Iditarod finisher. Um, Also, the last year, most improved musher. How are you doing, Ryan? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no problem. We wanted to kind of catch up with you. Um, We last visited in June of this year, uh, the insider, myself and Greg Heister from the insider crew went up and did some filming at um, a few mushers places kind of across all of Alaska. We did a bunch of stops all the way up to um, Fairbanks or the Chena Hot Springs area in which you are based out of. Uh, So yeah, how are things going since then? How are the dogs, of course? Things are going great. Uh, the dogs are all happy. We started like training for real um, a few weeks ago. So, uh, yeah, we're going for runs regularly. Typically, that's first thing in the morning um, since it, it can, especially if the sun's out, it can warm up quite a bit here in Fairbanks still. Uh, so everybody's happy and getting to run often. And, uh, yeah, all the leaves are, are yellow for the most part. And it is, it is definitely autumn here in Fairbanks and it's beautiful. Perfect weather. Can't complain. August was very rainy, but, uh, yeah, September has just been spectacular. Yeah, I was up in Fairbanks visiting, um, my family is up there in North Pole actually, and it was raining the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it rained a week though like the whole week that I was there I don't think it had gotten quite yellow yet like cold enough um but it is down here in Wasilla near Iditarod headquarters it is getting uh leaves are getting yellow and it's a little bit cooler out so we're head definitely heading into the fall time uh months and eh, we're a little bit far off from snow down here at least we've probably got a little bit to go (laughs) maybe october we'll see some snow um it hasn't gotten that cold yet so uh, and how are the reindeer you have uh a small i don't how many reindeer do you have to have to call it a herd i don't know (laughs) you know we 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 call it a herd uh (laughs) but it's um we have so we have five reindeer um there's uh, two cows, a bull, and two steers. So the steers are essentially castrated males. Um, and it is the rut season right now, uh, meaning that the bull and the cows are all together, and hopefully we'll have some calves next spring. Um, but that also means that the bull is very aggressive, so we don't interact with him anymore. He's just has his hormones and goes and pushes branches around and lets everybody know how tough he is. Uh, but the steers, they don't have those hormone changes, so they're um, still very nice. And we do lots of tours with those guys and um, take them out on hikes and things like that. Uh, so, yeah, all the reindeer are doing great. Um, they are definitely happier now that there's less bugs. I would say the summertime, the hardest, the hardest part about summer for them is the bugs um, evolution really gave them kind of a raw end of the deal without having a tail or something to like swat bugs away. So, uh, so yeah, they're much happier now that it's starting to get cooler. They love the cold. They love the lack of bugs. Um, so yeah, they're all pretty happy right now. I th- yeah. When we went up, we did encounter a bunch of mosquitoes. I think, um, when we were up there <laughs> on the insider trip kind of throughout 
mid, you know, midsummer, and it was a little bit cooler, so uh, the mosquitoes were out and about. So, how is your your tour business doing? You do tours out there, uh, and that's located on um, that Main Chain Hot Springs Road area, right? It's not far from where your your kennel is. Correct. Yeah, we're. It's about. Um, I mean, I'd say it's like less than a mile if you just walk straight there by trails. Um, driving, it's a little bit farther, but uh, yeah, we do um, reindeer tours, sled dog tours, um, reindeer hikes, and then aurora tours in the winter, and actually gold panning in the summer. So we do a little bit of everything. Uh, but our, I would say our biggest focus is on, on sled dog tours and reindeer tours. That's kind of, and roar tours in the winter. That's what we, we really specialize in. Um, and then in the spring after the race season, uh, we do expeditions and teach people how to drive their own team and either do trips around the Chena River Valley area or we travel to other locations and do, uh, do expeditions. One of our favorites, we actually partner with, um, fellow Iditarod musher Paige Drobney and we do a women's retreat and that is a lot of fun uh so we have we have six guests that join us on that trip um but uh but yeah we have a little bit of everything <laughs> how was the uh traffic for you for as far as tourism this year everybody's is a little bit different still still this year little but at least you're having some uh, some tourism I guess is good yeah yeah, and since, you know, this was our first summer in operation, so anything more than zero was actually an improvement for us. <laughs> so, um, since it was our first summer, uh, and, and it actually went okay. I think because there was not the cruise ship industry really going, a lot of people traveled up here independently, and that was certainly the market we were targeting more as the independent traveler, since we don't have those contracts with the big cruise ships. Um so, so yeah, uh, it, it actually, it actually was just fine. And, uh, we met a lot of folks from the lower 48 and, um, most of our tours are outside. So it was also, they're pretty, uh, COVID safe tours. Um, so yeah, it, it went, it went well. Can't complain. That's good. And so you're into training, you're starting to train, uh, regularly. And so when does that it- actually start for you do you kind of slow down the tour stuff or at least since it's your first year doing the tour business um did you kind of map out well we're gonna kind of taper that down and start doing the training part now um there's there's kind of a natural lull in tourism this time of year anyways um but really it just meant that uh running the dogs became a priority so even if even if I did have tours or I needed to do computer work or whatever that may be, I, I still had to do those things, but it would just be, okay, well, we'll run dogs earlier in the morning or maybe we'll run dogs at night. And so it just, it becomes a priority to make sure that um, the dogs start, you know, getting their conditioning in and, um, and, it, and it, yeah, it just basically has to happen. So we'll, we'll find hours in the day, whether that cuts into sleep or, or whatever it may be, uh, but since there's that natural lull in tourism this time of year anyways, it ends up not really being an issue. And then right around this time is also when um, I normally have one or two handlers who help me out every single winter. And that's they arrive around this time. So then I have a whole extra person who can help run dogs or um, do things that need to be you know, worked on at the tours or actually give tours. Uh, so it kind of, it, yeah, I, I uh, have help right as things start to really get busy and... Um, but yeah, I would say 
running dogs becomes priority number one, and then we just figure out how to fit everything else in there. When you're doing your training, is it um, amount of time, or is it certain trails, or like specific um, maybe toughness of the trail, or terrain that you kind of pick, or are you just kind of easing into it in the beginning, and then once maybe the snow falls, um, you you map out specific things for the dogs to do. Yeah. So, um, so my kennel, we, they basically get the summer off from conditioning. So other, other kennels will kind of keep either keep running the dogs or maybe they'll have dogs, their dogs do, um, more tours where they're actually like working and staying in, you know, kind of a baseline shape. But, uh, for my guys, we like to take the summer off. Um, so, uh, they do like the demonstrations that we do. They're not really putting on the miles. It just gets too hot here in Fairbanks, um, for them to, to, pull and um and i think they also like having some downtime so we go for hikes and go swimming in the river and just um, a bunch of loose time so they're basically starting at square one at the end of august so we we just do like two miles to start out and it's kind of amazing to think that they go from you know running two miles in august to uh in early september to running a thousand miles in march um so yeah we're we're not traveling very far i think we just are up to uh like seven or eight miles. Um, and yeah, we just build really slowly. Uh, and a lot of it is, is still, um, impacted by the temperatures and where there's water on the trail, because even though it's 40 degrees or 45 degrees in the morning, if the sun's out, then, then it can still be pretty warm, especially if we're trying to do a little bit longer run. So, uh, so we always try and run down to the river. We have a nice big gravel bar where there they can go and, um, lay down in the river and cool off if they need to, or we try to go find those big mud puddles so that they can cool off. So you also have two pet dogs, right? I think I remember seeing them, your two pet dogs also. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. How do they do with um, the full kennel? Uh, So we have, we have two wire haired pointing Griffins. Um, And the older one was actually one of my very first uh, dogs. So she, joined the family when I first started the kennel. Um, and so she has been with all these dogs as they were puppies and, and grown up. And so she actually, uh, I would say gets annoyed with all the sled dogs more than anything. She's like, I've seen a lot of puppies. I've, you know, these guys have a lot of energy. She's kind of at her like older grumpy phase. Um, whereas our younger Griffin is still very playful and loves to play with all the sled dogs. Uh, but they all, they all get along just fine. Um, just since most of the sled dogs have been raised with the Griffins. Uh, and occasionally I have actually hooked the Griffins up in the team and they get excited just like the sled dogs, but they'd like to stop at, you know, mile one or two versus do it for hundreds of miles. But, uh, but they get caught up in the moment when you first hook up and everyone's excited. And, um, but yeah, we have, we've got a couple little Griffins and they, uh, are primarily hunting dogs. So my husband likes to do a lot of bird hunting. And so, um, that is, that is their, their passion. They love to go hunting. They're very beautiful dogs. Um, I remember cause Greg and I, um, we had left some things behind some equipment and we had to come back and get it from your kennel <laughs> or meet you. We met you. Um, thank you by the way. So, because you kind of live far out, it is kind of far to get to your kennel, as is almost all kennels. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So we saw your beautiful dogs. All the dogs are beautiful, but it's it's 
fun to see different types of dogs within kennels that are, you know, sled dog kennels, right? <laughs> you know, mushers, many mushers have their, you know, pet dog and also their uh, sled dog as well. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of neat to see. I've I've always thought that someone should do a book of like all of the the non-sled dogs that live at sled dog kennels, just because it, it is really funny how mushers yeah. like have their their little, yeah, non-sled dog companion. Yeah. I mean, the retirees are, of course, companions as well, but it's like, yeah, so you just have to get one other breed just to have something different. <laughs> yep. And we it, it was common uh, when Greg and I were doing this traveling um, video for, for Insider, several mushers had other dogs and, you know, just like the pet dog or <laughs> whatever. So very cute uh, to see. That is a good idea. We should do a... A little a book or maybe a, a separate calendar. We have the Iditarod calendar. Maybe there's a separate uh, um, Iditarod dog friends or something. Yeah, <laughs> With all these cute little dogs. Submit your uh, submit your photos for for this separate the fun thing. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> now um, that place that the place that we did meet um, ended up burning down. I was kind of following that news story, um, uh, the Two Rivers Lodge, mm-hmm. um, which I'm from the area, so it was really sad to see that unfold, and um, it was kind of scary, and you live in that area, so I wanted to ask you about that. Was it a little bit nerve-wracking to have, uh, I guess it was an arsonist in the area, and, and nobody knew you know, what was going to happen? Yeah, it was, uh, it, it definitely was a scary summer. There, there were a lot of different structures that were burned. Um, and everyone was kind of on edge. Uh, you know, one of the most wonderful things about Two Rivers is the trail system. And, um, I think people were just a lot more, uh, nervous about having anyone come near their property that they didn't recognize. So, and, and then of course the fear that, um, you might be, you know, your house might be targeted. Uh, so it was, it was a very strange summer. I'm glad that they finally had a suspect and, um, arrested, uh, a 17 year old kid, which was kind of, kind of crazy. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it was a, it was definitely a, a bizarre summer and, um, had, had everyone on edge. Uh, for sure. I was definitely happy to have a sled dog kennel because then, you know, I basically had a 40 dog alarm system and they're pretty good at letting us know if anyone is anywhere near close, you know, nearby to the kennel. Uh, So that was reassuring to know that we had them helping keep watch um, for us. But, uh, but yeah, it was a scary time. Yeah. um, We're thankful that I don't think any people got hurt. And so we were definitely thinking of, all of our musher friends that live there. There's a lot of mushers that live up in that area. So for sure. Glad everybody was, was fine. And it's sad to see the buildings that got burned down, but mm-hmm. we're thankful that that person, the individual was caught. And um, so, yeah, that, that ended up to be uh, some closure on that. So, mm-hmm. but um, so how was, um, I'll ask you how was the 2021 season for you, <laughs> racing season for you, I guess. You got most improved musher 
So you, um, which means you, you had jumped in positioning since the last time you had race, which was in 2016. So that's a little bit of a gap too. You, um, and I think before that there was a bit of a gap 2012. So you kind of decide to, um, spread out your race times with the Iditarod. Is there a a strategy there or, or is there just like a, well, we'll, We'll do it these certain years, and then we'll have some time off and do other things. Um, so we uh, we those the years that we did do Iditarod, we ended we would race in the Yukon Quest. Um, I know there's crazy mushers who do both races in one year, but uh, I prefer to just do one one thousand mile race a year. I think that's plenty. Um, so yeah, we would kind of alternate between the Quest and the Iditarod, and uh, since we love both of the trails and participating in both races. Um, so yeah, we, it was, we did the quest for, for a handful of years and then, um, especially with COVID and, uh, the border being closed and everything. And, and it was just a nice opportunity to, to bounce back and, and do the Iditarod. And that was the only race that we did last season. So we didn't enter any of the mid distance races. Um, and instead we just kind of did our own training run series and traveled different places. And, uh, so yeah, we had a, we had a really great season and, the dogs were amazing on the Iditarod. It was a really fun race. Um, like normally, yeah, it just, everything kind of came together. The dogs were happy. They all ate really well. Uh, they were just spectacular and the trail was a blast. Um, I got to run around some other wonderful mushers. One of my closest friends, Paige, we did the last portion of the race together and that was a lot of fun. Uh, so yeah, it was, it was a wonderful race for us. We were, it was, I finished and I was like, wow, that, I mean, a lot of times you might finish like a thousand mile race and it it takes a little bit before you admit that it was fun. Um, but that race I like finished and I was like, yeah, that was, that was really fun from start to finish. (laughs) Yeah. I forgot you guys, you and Paige had kind of come in sort of together. Uh, so that was kind of cool. Was there, um, a story behind that. I can't remember if it just ended up that way or you guys. Uh, we, traveled, kind of we traveled together um, for the last pretty much since n- from Nikolai to the finish line. And it wasn't necessarily like one team right behind the other, but we would, um, we would camp in the same spots and uh, kind of leave and arrive around the same time. Uh, so yeah, that was a lot of fun. Uh, normally, you know, it's, you're on the trail and it's just you and your dogs and that's what makes it really special. And I would, and I would say that that certainly is the case, but if you can throw in, you know, one of your best friends as well, then it makes it really fun too. (laughs) So, uh, so yeah, got to run with her and then Cody, um, was also kind of bouncing along and would meet us at a lot of the checkpoints right as we were leaving. And, uh, so yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun to see, see those guys on the trail and, um, yeah, it was, it was just a great race. Someone had, uh, another musher had said it with this last trail, because we did the Gold Trail Loop uh, because of COVID, you were able to see everybody because you were, you know, going out and maybe passing people on the way back. So it was a little bit different uh, from normal race years where you just go straight to Nome and, and if you passed someone, then you didn't see them <laughs> until they finished or maybe... Um, so was that uh, the case for you or was, was it kind of different to see, Oh, you know, see you again. <laughs> um, I, you know, I didn't, other than a few places, 
I didn't actually stay at checkpoints very often, uh, just with it being a COVID year. Um, so most of the time I was camping on the trail. So I would see, you know, a team go by and you can do a quick, hey, how's it going? Um, but I wouldn't say that I necessarily was able to, like, see everyone in the race just because, especially at the beginning of the race, I purposely tried to never stay at checkpoints when I could. Um, but, but yeah, it, I could... I could see where, especially since you end up doing a head-on pass with a lot of people, at least for that those few minutes, you can see the team coming and give them a high five as you go by, and uh, and then that's that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so I don't think I've had anybody say that they um, last year they have purposely you know stayed away from checkpoints, but that's kind of what you did. You were a little bit more cautious and um, did camp out. Now, do you usually do that, or do you rely? rely on checkpoints or I know some mushers like to, to camp in between anyway, also. So, um, you know, it's on the quest. I would end up staying at most checkpoints, but that's also because it's so far between the checkpoints that it's, um, when you see one, it's pretty exciting. Uh, last time I was in the Iditarod, I think I did stay at most checkpoints. Um, I mean, I, I'm happy doing either. Like if it's at the beginning of the race, the checkpoints can be really busy. So I do try to skip the the checkpoints at the beginning of the race, just when there's so many mushers there and so much activity. I think the dogs camp better when it's not as, um, as busy, but later on in the race, um, I have no, yeah, I, I kind of like to stop at checkpoints, sleep in a nice warm place. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I guess ideally um, the dog team would be happy doing either one, you know, camping on the side of the trail or stopping at a checkpoint. And uh, I would say I'd, I maybe 50-50. I'm, I'm not necessarily always in a checkpoint or always camping. Um, just last year would be the exception since it was a COVID year. Can you uh, maybe tell people who might not know what it's like to to come into a checkpoint? Um, are there a lot of teams usually arriving at the same time? Um, you get you know, kind of go through, you, you check in, um, you know, what do you do right when they get there? You got to go to, to see the vet team. Do you, uh, find your spot and your rest spot? Sure. So, um, uh, near the beginning of the race, there's so many teams and, and so it might very well be that you pull up to a checkpoint and there's somebody who's already there getting checked in or someone's right behind you or someone just pulled in 10 minutes before you, um, but you, yeah, you pull up to the checkpoint, uh, volunteers are there to sign you in. Um, and then you let them know if you're going to be staying or going and they'll kind of direct you where to go based on your response. Um, so if you're going through, then you can, they can have you pull forward next to your drop bags and you can grab whatever gear you need from the drop bags. Um, versus if you're going to be staying, then they kind of pull you off to the side, um, and either park you right away or you grab your drop bags as you go by and just drag them with you to your camping spot. And uh, the volunteers will help you park if you, if you ask for help and um, you lay down straw and kind of signal to the dogs that, Hey, we're going to take a little nap here. And then um, as they're settling in and getting comfortable, then a vet team normally arrives and asks how the dogs are doing. And if there's any dogs that uh, you'd like them to look over. And so they're kind of just, um, taking a look as well to see how the team is. And of course, uh, look really close at the dogs that a musher might request um, their opinion on. 
and then you just start to work with with all your uh with all your chores the making hot meal and taking off their booties and getting them all comfortable for a nice little rest and um yeah, they there might be if you're in a checkpoint, there might be teams that are pulling up right next to you and parking, or there might be teams, you know, a little distance off who they've just bootied and their dogs are starting to bark and make noise, signaling that they're about to leave, and then off that team goes. Um, so there's definitely can be a lot of activity, and uh, say it's a checkpoint like Rainy Pass where um, airplanes can fly in pretty easily, then you have a lot of airplanes that are coming and going. Uh, so depending on the checkpoint, it can be very busy. Uh, and of course, depending on the time of day as well. When you go in and decide to stop and and rest at a checkpoint, do your dogs get, um, the message pretty quickly? Like it's time to calm down and it's time to take your rest here now, or does it take a little bit for them to get settled down and, and bedded in? Um, they, they, they definitely know the routine. So, uh, right as we put straw down, they know, okay, we're, we're taking a break here and they, they settle right in. Um, and I, and that is something that we practice a lot leading up to the race. So then, um, yeah, so then they can be on the same page and they're not, you're not pulling into a checkpoint and they're thinking that it's, it's time to take a break. And the next thing they know, you're saying, Hey, ready, let's go. And then they're like, Hey, wait a second. I thought we were going to take a break here. So I think it is really important to communicate what the next step is. Um, so then they can be on the same page and, uh, know if you're going to be running through or if you're going to be camping um, and just making sure that, yeah, you have a way to communicate that with your dog team. Um, and so they, they definitely know the cues. And do you hand out, um, you have treats? Do you do treats or do you probably sometimes you do treats and then you, or you do the full meal for them? Yeah. So it just kind of depends on um, how long we've been running prior, but uh I know a lot of mushers and then I will sometimes like pass out a, a little beef snack or something right as you arrive since it, t- it can take a little bit to get the hot meal prepared. Um, other times I'll use that opportunity to, um, yeah, just see like if, if a dog wants just plain water and kibble or do they want a hot meal and just kind of get an idea of like what their appetite is at that moment. Like ideally they would eat everything that you offered them. But, uh, but I certainly have a couple dogs who have their own little like, you know, picky preferences. Um, so yeah, when I first arrive, I just kind of gauge like how hungry are they? Are they really hungry? Do I need to give them a snack right now? Or if I give them a snack right now, would all of a sudden they'd say like, Oh, that's enough to fill my stomach. I'm going to take a nap and I'm not going to eat the main meal. Um, so you, you want to kind of gauge that as well. And later on in the race, it's not even an issue, but sometimes at the beginning of the race, especially with, I have a couple who, yeah, they've got, they've got special preferences. Um, so I should have to kind of uh, get on the same page as them and know what, know what they want. And you're preparing what food is going on the trail, how long in advance to the race? How far in advance are you getting your bags ready? Um. Uh, let's see about a month ahead of time uh we're starting packing all the food and cutting all the meat and um yeah i sometimes if i'm on top of it we'll start even before a month like you know a month and a half early i would say that's normally a little ambitious and it ends up being about a month (laughs) (laughs) and it's a lot of food right how many pounds i i don't how many pounds are those bags end up being? Um, I would say on average, it ends up being about 2000 pounds of gear that is that's sent out and spread out amongst the trail. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
And so that's, you know, dog food, human food, Mm -hmm. extra sled parts, um, extra gloves and extra socks, um, any sort of uh, little like ointments or, you know, uh, chemical heat warmers or, um, yeah, anything you think you might need on the trail, which ends up being mostly just dog food. Lots and lots and lots of dog food. And did you um, need any of your repair things? Uh, Did you, you have a extra sled does everybody i'm assuming everybody kind of brings an extra sled just in case and and have it has it dropped off um you know i think there are quite a few mushers who don't send out an extra sled um but then a lot lot of mushers do and i did send out an extra sled and it uh i did not end up using it it wasn't so much I, i wasn't worried about my sled breaking um i have one of the dog paddle design sled that uh cody straith makes and um, those things are indestructible. Uh, but I send out a lighter sled so that at the end of the race, if I felt like getting a slightly lighter sled than I could, but I ended up just using the dog paddle the entire way. Um, so luckily I did not have to, to switch out sleds and nothing broke. Um, I mean, I, it was, it was actually, it was a, like a pretty, I don't want to use the term easy. It was like a pretty, um, like a pretty clean race for you. It sounds yes, like. That's, like that's it, a good it way to a put clean it. Yeah. Race. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think the only issue I had, my boots got really wet at one point mm. and, um, and I had trouble drying them out, but that was the only, the only like hiccup and it, it wasn't even that big of a hiccup. It was fine. Um, yeah. Well, hopefully this year we'll have more normal checkpoints (laughs) because I think that might, I mean, if you, you had wet gear, I think you could normally go indoors to an indoors place, right? Mm -hmm. At a lot of checkpoints and dry things out. But um, it was a little bit more difficult this year because I think there were mostly tents or um, not the usual heating situation. (laughs) Yes. 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 That was, that was certainly part of it. (laughs) Yeah. So, and when you're in those, um, checkpoints and camps, um, like the water's there. So is it, um, convenient set up and stuff like that? Is it, um, you're hauling water and, uh, some people might know how, how things are, are usually set up. You're hauling water or is there water there in the spot, like really close to where you're um, bedding down and stuff? Um, you know, it really can vary. So, of course, some checkpoints have water, water. Some checkpoints might even have hot water. Some checkpoints don't have any sort of water at all. Um, some camp spots, you might, a lot of like times, mushers will, will camp next to creeks that are typically open. So then you can at least have that cold water to make it faster um, in preparing the dog's food. So each time it's, it's a little bit different. Um, and I think that is certainly a something that mushers factor in when they're deciding where to camp is how easily accessible is the water and is it hot water is it cold water um but worse comes to worse uh i mean the race provides heat or methanol so you can uh as long as you don't like camp somewhere out in the burn that has no snow then uh you should be able to to make water wherever you need yeah i'm i'm hoping we're hoping that the checkpoints are going to be pretty close to normal this year. So um, <laughs> it will be um, something that doesn't have to be overly planned. I, f- I feel like everyone maybe had to overly plan 
is there the water situation or the sleeping situation or etc so um i think everybody's looking forward to that is there anything else you're looking forward to a more normal year uh compared to last year well it's been uh i mean the last time i was on the coast and you know doing a good chunk of the race was in 2016 so i'm really excited to go run along the coast and um up the Yukon. So I'm, I, yeah, I'm just excited to see those parts of the trail. Uh, that would probably, that'd probably be what I'm most excited about. Um, but I, but also last year, like I was very impressed with the race that, uh, the Iditarod was able to put on, especially with all of the challenges, um, that they were facing. And I mean, it was, it was, yeah, it was a fantastic race. It, considering everything, they, all the hurdles they had to overcome, they put on a, a wonderful race. Um, so yeah, I'm glad they were able to make that happen. I'm definitely excited to go all the way to Nome this year. Um, but uh, but I don't feel like I missed out on anything last year by any means. Yeah, I think everybody's excited to go back to Nome this year. Yeah. <laughs> yep, everyone. Um, we're, and we're excited to have, you know, the, the normal like musher banquet and um, meet and greets and stuff. Hopefully, you know, that we have um, still kind of in a COVID mode, but I think, um, you know, there's things that events are doing to mitigate COVID, you know, and still able to have events. So <laughs> we're still kind of, you know, planning through all of that weirdness. Um, but we definitely are looking forward to the 50th anniversary, you know. <laughs> so, and were you surprised to get, um, are you excited, I guess, to get the most improved musher award? I was you don't very know excited. When you're out there. I mean, you don't know probably when you are coming in realizing. Well, well, I had a pretty good idea because I think the last time I was in the Iditarod, I was like 60 something place. Like I was, I was very okay. far back there and I don't think there's even that many musters in this year's race. So I had no. a pretty good idea that I would get it just because I was so far back in the race before. Um, so yeah, I mean, you could even call that a strategy, be at the very back of the pack uh, one year and then do much better the next year. And odds are you'll get most improved. <laughs> I don't know if anybody's strategizing to be yeah. in the back, but or maybe they are. I don't know. It's just, it's just fun being in there, I guess. So. Yes. Um, well, how can people follow you or a uh, website, social media wise? Yeah. So, um, so I have a website, rhinokennel.com and that's R Y N O. And then we're on Facebook and Instagram, and I even fell into the TikTok trap. I uh, thoroughly enjoy TikTok, so I put little TikTok videos on as well. Um, so yeah, there's lots of ways to follow along. Um, the website I update a blog fairly regularly. So if if it's you know folks who enjoy um, kind of reading a little bit a little article, then I'd recommend keeping an eye on that. And there is a way that you can add your email to our emailing list and get a little update every time I put a new blog post out instead of having to like check back regularly, you can just get an email notification. Um, and then yeah, Facebook and Instagram are mostly just little photos. Uh, and then the, the TikTok is fun little videos. Um, so yeah, we try to do as best as we can at updating all of those things and keeping everybody involved with, um, not only training for Iditarod, but also, you know, how are the puppies doing? How are the young dogs doing? 
what are the reindeer up to? So kind of all all aspects of the rhino kennel life we try to have on those different social media platforms. So we would love it if anyone wanted to follow along. Um, yeah. Well, I'll have to go check out your, your TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> I just so you, imagine you've dancing gotten dogs or something. <laughs> so you followed TikTok as well then, huh? I, I follow it lightly, <laughs> I guess, <laughs> lightly. I, I feel like that one might be a little bit of a time suck sometimes. <laughs> Definitely. I can attest. I don't go down yeah. those rabbit holes um, all day long. But <laughs> but if there's puppies involved, maybe. Puppies and sled dogs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll have um, all your contact information for the uh, social media and website in our description of this podcast so people can easily find you awesome. um, those links. So um, thanks for coming on the podcast and talking with us and letting everybody know what you're, you're up to is if there's anything else you'd like to mention, go, go for it. Um, yeah. Thanks. Thanks for uh, having me on the podcast and sending those photos earlier this summer. Um, yeah. It's uh, we're excited for the 50th anniversary and hope everybody follows along. Yep. And um, there should be, we haven't gotten up your insider um, video yet. So that'll probably be coming soon. I'll have to check in with Greg. He's we, from our trip. Oh, I'm trying to think how many mushers we visited. Um, Maybe it was 10 mushers. So, so we have a lot of insider 2.0 video, uh, or he does. He's got the video to look through. <laughs> I don't, I don't produce any of the video. It's all, um, all Greg Heister and his team. So when we get that, um, when he gets that produced and, and up on the website, we'll definitely let everybody know, uh, since we visited your kennel and it was, um, very nice, very nice kennel to visit and interesting with, reindeer and all that too so, and uh, uh we i don't think we got to see the airplane land there was going to be perhaps uh your your friend landing an airplane but i don't think we uh saw that so maybe next time <laughs> yeah you'll just have to come back <laughs> we'll have to come back and uh maybe check out your actual tour yeah uh, absolutely when you're doing in in that uh, mode your tours mode we'd like to come and see that too so well thanks again ryan and we will see you soon at the race great thank you very much have a good one <laughs>